do. So we're going to have our reading now. I think it's going to come up on the screen in a moment. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, either turn them on or open them up. We're looking at Malachi 3. It's the last book before you jump into the New Testament. There we go. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed ever since. Oh, is that from the start? We're going from the start of verse 6. Oh, I'll start again. I thought it was going to be from verse 1. It's from verse 6, I beg your pardon. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. The whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storeroom, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will be not room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. John, if you'd like to come up, let's pray for this man as well as he brings God's message to us this morning. Stretch out our hand for this guy, will you? Thank you, God, for John. Thank you for all he's prepared. Give us willing hearts and open ears to hear your message this morning. Give John wisdom and uh, clarity as he brings your message to us this day. Amen. Amen. Morning. Can you hear me? Yep. Is this mic on? Yep. Fantastic. Okay. And put the presentation up. You're going to play it for me. So the the series we're doing on Malachi is how do you, how do we treat God? Uh, Malachi 3. Uh, I've only chosen a part of that passage. Um, Please read it all, but I think the focus, I'd be doing disservice to this if I talk about the other stuff. I was tempted, but uh, I think, you know, today we're going to talk about the money. Now, money's a funny thing, isn't it? I think, especially in the UK, especially in Britain, we like money, but we don't like sometimes talking about it. So... I know when we're here, probably some of you turned up this morning, you didn't think that we were going to be talking about money, and you probably sat there feeling a bit nervous, as though, you know, money's my money, what's this got to do with you, what's it got to do with God? And I think it's really fascinating about money. I know so much about certain people in this congregation, I might know your name, I might know how many children you've got, I might even remember your name. (laughs) But one thing I can pretty much guarantee no idea how much money you get in your salary. Now, interesting. I was in Portugal the other a few years ago for work, and uh, up on the wall was a list, including the CEO, and a list of all their salaries. No joke. I thought, wow. I don't think that would work here, would it? But that's a legal requirement in Portugal, that the money is up on the wall. But I think it's something that is something that's really strange about money is... You know, 
we just don't like really talking about and we start feeling awkward about it. But just to let you know, Jesus, as mentioned before, Jesus spoke about it quite a lot. So I think it's important. We do this once a year. We talk about this money and we go into some details. So you've seen the church count. So I just want to say one thing. Um, we normally do this sort of talk once a year. Uh, it's important that we show the church finances. My talk has not changed or wouldn't have changed just because of the finances look a bit worse year, this year than other years, okay? So the, the problem is we're not stood here, I'm not stood here as church warden saying, because our money's down, I'm going to talk about money. This talk was planned way before we knew what the finances were, because it was planned much earlier last year, just to let you know that, okay. Let's have a quick recap then on Malachi. I think it's really important when we look at this is to what is God getting on about, because I can guarantee one thing, God has a completely different view of money than generally we do, and certainly the world view. So Malachi recap, and this is how I've done it, is about love and respect God. I think that's the first thing that Phil spoke about that really came out well. Give to God worthy of a king. Chris spoke last week about honour, being faithful, worshipping God, speaking truth, being righteous, having right relationships with each other, especially spouses. Now, we're going on to Malachi 3. It talks about another big thing in our lives. Money is a big thing in our life. It's really important. And it's important that we get it right. So the motivation behind what we're talking about here is really about motivation from God's perspective, not our perspective. So let's just get a bit of context about the old covenant. So one thing I was doing some background reading on this one is, um, well, that's part of the old stuff, isn't it? Old Testament, Old Covenant, talks about a tithe. Just to explain what tithing is, tithing is, is a tenth. It was basically required of the, church, the, uh, the nation of Israel, especially when they were doing a lot of walking around. God says, you need to give a tenth of what you gain, give it to me, to the church, to the Levites who ran the church at the time, that they could live and they could go and they could also give out to the poor. So it was a requirement. But... That part of where it is within that covenant, where we talk about the old covenant, we're not under that covenant now. We're under a new covenant because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so many people will say tithing is not relevant anymore. That we've been set free. We've certainly been set free from its curses because when God, Jesus died on the cross, all that debt we owe has been paid. The Old Testament, if you want to be you know, one that God can come close to God, you had to do all these things. One thing's quite clear, you can't do that. So Jesus came to the cross as our sacrifice to take away all the debt, all the curses. So we're free. But are we? Because money is still relevant. So let's go on. So what should our attitude to money be? Well, I think it's really fascinating the world's view it's how we value ourselves. It's the global value system, isn't it? If you look at football, for example, how good a player is effectively determines how much salary they get. Sanchez moved from Arsenal to Man United, reported £500,000 a week, his salary. It's just unbelievable. But there's a lot of money in football, and that's how the world says he's one of the best players. More, more, more. 
the world is saying, you need more. You need more money. You need to get a better job. You need to do this. You need to do that. You've got to get more money. That is what the world is telling us. You can buy true happiness. Is that true? I think we'd probably say that actually there are a lot of people who are very rich who aren't happy at all. It's certainly something I would question. Probably the first things, I was probably around 30 years old. And I, I, well, I was working at Gillette at the time. And um, I was really just, for me, my value is I, I got really into being jealous about what other people were on getting promotions that I thought, I'm better than them. Even had other people say, oh, you should have got that job. You're better than that. You should get that. And I really was, I had to say, chasing almost salary. But not just for the salary, because it was into this worth. That was my worth, how I rate myself amongst others. God gave me a real telling off one day and said, stop it. Got to stop it. Because it was just getting me, actually getting me down. And so it got to the point where he was telling me off so much. I said, okay then, I'm never going to chase money again. And my first recommendation for you is don't change your job or chase money. Okay? Just, I handed it over. I've never since then asked. It gets quite awkward sometimes because when I've gone for a job interview and they've said, you know, what salary you're looking for, I've committed to God. I'm not going to ask for a value again. So I've said, what do you think the job's worth? I've handed it back to them to offer it because I just don't, I want to give it to God and say, God, you know, you'll give me enough. We'll come on to this about the promises. That's one thing I can recommend to do. Because if you look at it, you know, money and the chase of money leads to a lot of other things, doesn't it? It causes anger, jealousy, hatred. People steal, people murder for money. It's not a very good attitude that the world has over money. So let's have a look what God says about it. I think it's quite clear when you look into it is danger. Beware. But there's some really radical stuff when you come into the New Testament, how Jesus spoke and taught about money. Blessed are the poor. Luke 20. When it came to giving, the most notable thing in Luke 21, there was a widow who just gave two small copper coins. Jesus' reply was, this person has given more than any of the others. So when we start talking about quantity and value, God has a completely different approach and view of what great and big giving is. There are things that we've got to be careful about from a, a warning. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to go to heaven. That's a massive warning, isn't it? Because I'm an engineer, and I can tell you, to get a camel through the eye of a needle is not going to be easy. Okay. Luke 16. No one can serve two masters, God or money. You'll love one and detest the other. This is strong language God is talking about. So what's our attitude? What should our attitude to money be? Well, I think let's go back to Malachi and what Malachi's been saying. I think, you know, you've got to hand it to Malachi. He doesn't mince his words. He's been pretty powerful. I think we found it quite strong in what he's been saying. So Malachi 1, and I think, you know, for me, 
I think, you know, we've seen it again. The, the, the demonstration on the banana was excellent as well. And what Phil said, if we have a plate of food, what do we give God? Do we give him the scraps and what remains or the skin after the bit that we don't want? Or do actually we, through gratitude, I'm sure if we had a king coming to sit at our table, we would give them the best cut. We would give them the first cut. You wouldn't give what was left at the end to them, would you? So I think that's the first thing. I think the other thing to do is because we love him, and it's through gratitude. It's through gratitude also what Jesus did on the cross. To say thank you, I am so thankful. And I think this is what God was getting to with the, the widow who gave the two coins. She gave what she couldn't afford. She gave it through just, I'm so grateful for you, to you, God. I will give you what I have, what I can't afford. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 8. You can bring that up. Just want to read this. So, this is New Testament talking about money very clearly. Remember this. The person who plants a little will have a small harvest, but the person who plants a lot will have a big harvest. Each of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give. You should, feel, you, should not, you should not be sad when you give and should not give because you feel forced to give. God loves the person who gives happily. And God can give you more blessings than you need. Then you will always have plenty of everything Enough to give to every good work. Some of those words come back to me. They, they start when I was looking at this. This is how similar those words are to what Malachi is saying. Isn't it? Let's bring the words up on the next slide. Yeah. So when we were talking there, we're talking really how much then. Because the New Testament saying, saying, look at how much. So I've changed the word slightly here and to look at this because we're asking to be generous, but Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe into my church that there may be money in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. And if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be enough room to store it. I'll prevent telesalesmen from devouring your money. And the fruits from your labor will not fail, says the Lord Almighty. Now, you wonder which, that, that's not a version of the Bible. I've changed those words. That's my version. Okay? But it's the same thing. There's something special going on here. There's a promise. Do you know how many times in the Bible it says God tells, him to, that God tells us to test him? This is it. This is the big one. He's saying to us, if we give a tenth, he will bless us. It doesn't say necessarily he'll bless us with so much money we won't know to do that. I don't think that's, that's not biblical at all. But we will get blessings from it. A tenth. Can't afford it. This was my attitude first when I first heard it. So shortly after the time where I gave up asking and said, God, okay, I'll hand my salary over to you. You give me, you get the money that I need to get. Um, I was challenged on about the tithing. I was at a Baptist church at the time. I think Baptist church is probably a bit more open and upfront and honest about tithing. And um, it was about, it was from my sister. Now, I wish everyone had a sister like my sister, because my sister is amazing. She's amazing because when I ask her a question, you think some people might think I can be quite, you know, quite 
stay it, say as to see it, yeah? Well, my sister's brilliant at saying as she sees it when I asked her. And I said to my sister one day, uh, do you tithe? Her reaction was, yeah, I can't afford not to. I can't afford not to. But I've done our finances, and I've sat down with men. We've done us about 5% is, I reckon, all we can afford. She said, John, you're not supposed to be able to afford it. That's the point. Now, I thought she'd gone completely screwy, but I have to say, she spoke to me about this, and, you know, we start looking at this. What's it actually trying to do? So I would agree with you. Most people, I'd say most people, I'm sure, in this church, can't afford. When you look at it, you will not be able to afford a tenth or more. I think what we're saying here is the starting point is a tenth. Is you can't afford it. What does it do? Well, I think the first thing it does is it actually it forces us to be dependent on God. And I think this is the really amazing thing that, from my experience, God suddenly, it doesn't add up. 100% minus 10% does not equal 90%, not in God's kingdom. It equals 110%. I think what will happen is when you start to give, things will start happening. It enables God to do miracles. The promise is when we give a tenth, his blessings can work. There's something that happens out in the, the uh, spiritual domain that God starts getting involved in what we're doing. It changes our hearts. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. It's interesting the way round those words are. You know, you put where you put your money, then your heart will be also. I think it's really important that as part of church life, we need to put our money into this church, is we will love church and what God is doing more. That's what it says. More to the point, if we don't give anything to church, our heart can't be in church either. Isn't that what that's saying? So I think that's a real challenge there. And can I say, if you look around and you don't love this church and don't like it, I've got to be really radical here. Go and find a church that you can love and give to. But maybe the reason you're not loving it so much, maybe you're not putting your money into. I think it's really fascinating uh, at work. Sometimes being involved in work dues. And I know that as a work do, we've done them and we've said they're free to come to. And then you'd probably get 60 or 70 people, pay maybe more, saying they're going to come, and then loads of people didn't turn up. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever done an event like that. They just don't turn up. There's something all that so is that is special. It's when you put the following year, we did it, we charged a fiver per head. Not that we needed the money, the company, but we then got all the fibers, we put them together, we got some raffle prizes, so the company didn't benefit. But a remarkable thing happened. Everyone who paid turned up. Yeah? There's something about giving a, a financial transaction in there. We buy into what we're doing. So that's another reason that it's important to give into church. So we say a tenth, we can't afford it. Afford it. We're not supposed to afford it. It makes us dependent upon God. It changes our heart. You know, I've spoken to many people who tithe and I've that. I've, there's not one of them who said, I regret tithing. Not one. Everyone who I've spoken to, who's done it, has been blessed by it and would recommend it. I don't know, maybe church we just don't talk about it enough, I don't know. But here is my challenge to you, to all of us, to look at how we give but there's a bottom line, isn't it? So I've come to close. 
The bottom line is, do we trust God? That's what it boils down to, isn't it? I think we can all say we've been blessed and we're all happy and we can all give something. But do we trust him to give enough of our money that it stops us chasing it? It blesses us through what God is doing on our life. You know, probably the biggest challenge I've had in the recent months is Matthew's, is with God. You know, many of you know I'm not working at the moment. Um, it's been the challenge of Matthew 6. It's, God, do you know sometimes you get a text God just brings you back to time and time again? Matthew 6 is an amazing chapter. I recommend all of you read it, all of it. But let's just pick up some of the things of Matthew 6. The first thing is where the Lord's Prayer is. Give us today our daily bread. Not monthly bread, not yearly bread, daily bread. Do not store up treasures on earth where they can get devoured. We heard about that in Malachi. It's saying, if we store treasures, store a treasure in heaven, God's going to bless us and look after that. Don't worry about provision. God will provide for us. This is where he talks about if you're a sparrow. Look at a sparrow. You know, they don't go out to work, but God provides for them. How much more does he love us? How much more does he want to provide for us? But I think the big one as well, the one that's being put on my verse 33. Seek first the kingdom and what God wants, then all your other needs will be met as well. And that's really what I think, you know, today is about. I know it's not about... I owe God 10% or I owe God this amount of money. It's about making sure our money does not dominate our life, that it dominates, that God dominates our life. And this is what this is about. And, you know, we're not giving for God's benefit, the church. Hopefully from one thing you've picked up from what I've said this morning, we're giving for our benefit. It keeps us in line and keeps us dependent upon God and making sure that he works in our lives. Okay, let's pray. So as part of our response to the band, maybe you want to come up for our last song. I just want to think it's important that we just spend a bit of time in quick prayer and give you the opportunity to respond and to think, um, you know, firstly in prayer, I just want to say, uh, Lord, I just... For when we get stuff, as prayed before, when we get stuff wrong with money, Lord, Lord, we just pray for forgiveness. We're sorry for where we put money and things like that first before you. And Lord, I just pray for everyone here. You would help us realign uh, our money with you and we put you first. I just want to give everyone just a bit of space to ask God, you know, with the finances, just as we do this once a year, is... Lord, how much do you want me to give to the church? I'll just let him to speak to you if there's something that this is something that God's calling you to start for the first time, or maybe you know it's been a year since you've thought, or a couple of years since you've thought about how much you've been giving. Lord, I just pray that you'd speak to each one of us. And speak clearly about how you, what our attitude to the money of what we should give is. Lord, I just pray that you'd really help us to get our attitude to money right.
to release your kingdom on this earth, to share our wealth with others, that we may be an outpouring of blessing upon others to see at the end of the day more people come to know you. In Jesus' name.